You're listening to the Gluten-Free Guide Podcast with your host, Vanessa Weisbrod. Welcome to the Gluten-Free Guide Podcast. I'm Vanessa Weisbrod coming to you from the Celiac Disease Program at Children's National Health System. Today's podcast is all about parenting a child with celiac disease. I know this is a super important topic to many of our listeners, and it's really important to me too. My son Brandon is about to celebrate his fifth birthday. Today, he definitely reminded me that it's exactly 19 days until the big day. This is an exciting time, not only because he gets to eat cake and celebrate with friends and family, but it also marks the two-year anniversary of his diagnosis of celiac disease. Overall, it's been a really great two years. Brandon went from being a tired, sick, and grumpy kid to being just full of energy. He grew several inches and exudes happiness all of the time. Taking gluten out of his diet changed his life dramatically. It was obviously evident to my husband and I right away, especially when the vomiting and diarrhea stopped. I can't tell you how happy I was to not be cleaning it up all the time. But for me, the most incredible part has been hearing from his teachers at school and even his pediatrician about all of the positive changes they've seen in him as his body has healed. It's just been a remarkable change. I feel really lucky that Brandon was diagnosed so young, and he'll hopefully never miss gluten. But I do recognize that as he grows up, there will definitely be hurdles to overcome with helping him understand this lifelong need for a gluten-free diet, and that it can't change. He's never going to outgrow it. And there'll be lots of times when I'm going to have to help him navigate social situations. But I'm really thankful that there are many parents who have gone through this already, very successfully, and I have two of them joining us in the studio today to talk about their journey of raising kids with celiac disease. Joining us today, we have Katie Rothenberg, who is mom to seven-year-old Nadia, and John Landy, who is dad to teenage boy Matthew. Both are members of our advisory board at Children's National, and I'm so glad to have them joining us to talk about strategies that worked really well, and sometimes that they might have done things a little bit differently. Katie and John sat down with my co-host Ellen, so I'm going to toss it over to Ellen to get this conversation started. Katie and John, I want to thank you both for being with us today. So to get started, I'd really appreciate it if you could each tell me a little bit about your families, who has celiac disease, and how old were they when they were diagnosed? Uh, Katie, let's start with you. Absolutely. Um, So my daughter Nadia was diagnosed just shy of her fourth birthday. And she was the first person in either side of my husband or my family to be diagnosed with celiac disease. So I can honestly say I didn't know what gluten was before I was told that we had to go on um, a gluten-free diet. So, All right. I know that can be a bit daunting from personal experience as well. Uh, John, how about you? Yeah, so my son, Matthew, who's our oldest, was diagnosed when he was 14, Um, So that was a jarring experience for him and for us. Uh, Our two younger children um, do not have celiac, as it turns out. So we've um, had to balance more of accommodating everybody in the family. So I think maybe Katie and I have some different experiences here. All right. Well, I look forward to hearing about those. So how long has it been for you guys then since that happened? So Nadia is seven and a half now, so it's been almost four years on a gluten-free diet. Um, and, you know, I think we've come a long way since then. Mm-hmm. John? And for us, it's, it's also been about four years uh, since Matthew was diagnosed. Um, so 
think we have a good sense of uh, how to navigate this world now. Yeah, so I know it can be daunting. I've been there as well. Uh, when you first got this diagnosis for your kids, like just how did you how did you feel? What were you worried about the most? Well, um, for for us, uh, like Katie, I had never heard of celiac or didn't know what gluten was, so there was a huge learning curve for us to understand. Um, what changes needed to be made for our son, both for him personally, but within our family context. And for Matthew, being diagnosed at 14, he was used to eating things he was now being told he could not. Um, And so that was um, quite a significant uh, transition uh, and and point for him in his life. So we had to acclimate to all of that. Mm -hmm. How about you, Katie? I'll say we were lucky, I think, to have caught Nadia's um, diagnosis just shy of four, right? Because she doesn't really know what um, glutinous bread tastes like, although at a recent hotel she was given it and took two bites and said, Mom, this this tastes so fluffy. I just, I don't think this could be gluten-free. And so she has the opposite scenario, right, where she, she doesn't, she doesn't remember what sort of the good stuff tasted like. Um, but I think initially upon diagnosis it was it was scary right I mean there was a lot that we had to learn and when you start to think about your children eating at school and never having to really pay much attention to what they were feeding her in preschool or whatever and suddenly having to throw yourself into that was was um, I would say probably a bit anxiety inducing yeah and there's so much to think about was there something you focused on first I think we spent a lot of time, Nadia's doctor at the time, Dr. Snyder, spent a lot of time really speaking to her directly about her disease, even though she was barely four. And so we spent a lot of time sort of educating Nadia on why this was important, why this was important to her health. We spent a lot of time at the farmer's market. We, you know, um, but I think we spent a lot of time teaching her to eat naturally gluten-free foods. Um, at that age, which has paid dividends now, so we can go out many places and we don't have to worry if they don't have a gluten-free menu because I know she will eat a piece of fish or a piece of chicken and some potatoes. And, and, and so that has opened up the world for us, whereas at the beginning we were terrified because, like your son, she was used to eating chicken nuggets and mac and cheese, and if they didn't have a gluten-free option, we were out of luck. Right, right. So, John, how did you tackle this first, or what did you decide to think about first with, with your son? So I think um, there were two components to it. One, we first needed to figure out what the parameters were and how to make sure he was safe. He was eating food that was healthy for him. He, he does not have, I guess, what I understand to be the more typical um, manifestation of celiac. He does not get physically ill, um, he, so, which is why he had a late diagnosis. He developed a rash that took a while to figure out what that was. So if he had, if he were to consume gluten, he wouldn't have the immediate feedback of, I'm going to get sick. So we needed to help him understand that uh, Dr. Snyder was his doctor as well. This is actually quite bad for you. You need to avoid it, and we needed to understand how to do that. At the same time, I think the second piece of it was um, we needed to make sure that he was sort of dealing with it emotionally, psychologically, in a way that was okay for him, having been used to, he was actually a, 
he still is a, a big, strong, healthy eating kid. Um, so he doesn't present as a lot of celiac kids does. So he's used to having, you know, the food he wants and, and we needed to make sure that he sort of, um, accepted, uh, this change in his life and he dealt with it, you know, appropriately, which he did. So how did you approach that? Because I think that can be difficult, especially for teenagers. Um, I think it's through a lot of communication. My, my wife is a social worker. I give her uh, the credit for, for engaging in that, most of that communication and making sure that you know, he was um, accepting of it, that he, he communicated his feelings, he expressed his frustration if he had any about this change. But he's, um, you know, he's learned to be, as part of this and as other things in his life, very resilient. And he, I think, accepted um, rather quickly that this was his new reality. He may not always like it, but he knows this is what he has to do to be healthy. Um, and so we talk about that a lot, and we certainly did more so at the beginning, but it's a continuing conversation. Um, and I give him a lot of credit for engaging in that conversation and then sort of accepting that this is what he has to do, and he'll find, he'll make the best of it. So in your, at your, in your home, I know families kind of approach this different ways and what works best for them. How do you handle um, the situation where you have people in your family who do, who do not have celiac disease and don't actually have to follow a gluten-free diet? So how do you handle your own personal kitchen? So um, I have two children. My younger son does not have celiac. But at home, really, the house is gluten-free. Jack does have, you know a big container of goldfish because that's what five-year-olds love. And Nadia just knows she can't have them and she can't be around him when he's eating it or, you know, get her hands into it. Um, You know, I I know other families that won't allow gluten in their house at all and take a much more stringent approach. Um, For for whatever reason, we haven't done that and it's worked out fine. We've We've never had an issue at home. You know, I think we've got goldfish and maybe some like frozen dinners maybe somewhere for Jack but that's it so you kind of take a limited approach yeah for the couple of things that he needs but otherwise I'm not going to cook two dinners so all dinners all breakfast all family meals are going to be gluten-free and then everybody else can kind of do what they need to do or want to do when they're not at home how about you John so we've we've uh we're a little bit farther along I guess the continuum in that um we have um plenty of gluten containing food in our house. Um, We have not uh, moved our other children or myself or my wife to a gluten-free diet. Um, I think naturally over time, just the evolution has been, we've moved more towards gluten-free foods just as a family. Um, But we do have, you know, um, gluten cereal and bagels and pasta. And if we get pizza, you know, some of us will have the, the sort of the quote-unquote regular pizza, and then Matthew will have the gluten-free pizza. Sometimes I'll have that with him, or my wife will. Um, but it was part of a larger conversation that this is what we think will work for us. And, you know, everybody's been educated. We obviously have separate pots and pans and cooking utensils and everything for the gluten-free food, and we've, we've, made, it, we've made it work. Um, and it was a sort of a conscious effort that we would all be respectful, obviously, of Matthew's need, but that didn't necessarily mean that everybody else had to completely change their lifestyle. And that's 
you know, that's that choice has worked for us. Yeah, I know that, you know, depending on the family, there's a, a range of ways to handle it, and you, of course, have to choose what fits and works for your family, and so I think this is great that each of you have kind of a different take on that to kind of talk to our listeners about how that works for you. When you got this diagnosis at first and you had to tell your friends and your family, you know, what were their reactions? I will say um, people were surprised. Many people had never heard of celiac disease, just like us. We were so happy that we did the biopsy because Nadia presented as uh, she had become incredibly anemic and hadn't been growing. And so as soon as we got her on a gluten-free diet after her um, biopsies were done and confirmed the diagnosis, she shot up, right? So suddenly her rosy cheeks were back, which we hadn't seen in years. And everybody said, oh my gosh, she looks so great. She's better. You know, she's good now. She's going to grow out of it. Look how good she looks. And so we were so happy that we, even though it was heart-wrenching to put your small child under, um, we were so happy we had that because it was a reminder to us um, and, and to others that this is, this is lifelong. You know, it's not an allergy that she's going to grow out of, which is, I think, the thing that people constantly say. Right. And you're referring to the experience of the biopsy and having um, anesthesia for that biopsy. Correct. Yes. yes. How, but how did she react to it? Um, she, it was fine. I mean, it was actually, I think I was more torn up about doing it than she was. I think I walked out of the room and cried a little, but, um, she came right out of it. Children's hospital did a fantastic job, um, you know, caring for us and caring for our family. And we went home and I think you got to have one last breakfast sandwich from our favorite breakfast sandwich place that had gluten in it. And then that was it. It was like the last hurrah. And, and then we moved on. Great. Great. John, how, how did it go with you sharing the news with your friends and family? So I, I think it, it was similar to what Katie was just saying. There was some um, lack of knowledge of what that was like in my situation. I just didn't really know about it, and, and a lot of friends and family didn't either. Um, they were also surprised because, as I said, w- at least what I think the typical manifestation of celiac is, you know, um, failure to thrive, a lack of growth, and so forth. And Matthew didn't present with any of that. So there was some real head scratching at, I can't believe, you know, he has it. But once people got past that, there's been an unbelievable amount of, of support and willingness to, you know, make the necessary accommodations. His friends, parents are always very solicitous and offer to make things and, you know, bake. Um, goods for him, and and they go out of their way to make him comfortable with family and friends in all in all situations. So it's been a really nice, supportive situation. I think um, I've seen that with Nadia's friends, and it, when you have a small child, you just always wonder how they're going to handle that at school. And um, they're so careful to protect their friends, and they want to take care of them. And so I can't tell you how many text messages I get before Halloween from other mothers who say, you know, I'm standing in a candy aisle with Owen, and he says we need to get a gluten-free candy to bring in for Halloween or Valentine's Day. I mean, it comes from all angles. And I will say that Nadia comes home often telling me how special that makes her feel, which is so wonderful. So with a young child, how do you handle these situations for like birthday parties or, or social events that she's going to? How, what do you do? We bring our own. It's BYO all the time. Um, so we, we have a 
gluten-free frozen cupcakes in the freezer all the time. So we throw one in a bag the night before so it thaws and she takes it off. And, you know, everybody does pizza. We don't go as far as making a pizza and bringing gluten-free pizza for her. Um, We typically bring a peanut butter and jelly and make sure she's not sitting next to somebody with a peanut allergy. Um, Because I, I think there is that need to balance providing her with an experience that is uh, allows her to partake in the party and have lunch but also realizing that with celiac you're not always going to get the same thing as everybody else and so I wanted you know I'm not going to not let you have a piece of cake but on some of the other things this is just sort of life's lesson and we've talked a lot about how everybody has their thing and this is your thing and it's an important thing I think to understand at a young age. So, John, for your son, when he's, as a teenager, you know, when he's out and about with friends, um, how has that been for him? He's had to um, learn to be a real self-advocate. He, you know, there were times when there was some reluctance to be in certain situations where, you know, you'd be calling attention to yourself that, oh, I can't have that or I can't go there because there will be no food for me. And he has learn to navigate that and figure out how to deal with this in social settings and speak up for himself and his friends know about it and he's become you know increasingly comfortable with it and he'll he'll put it out in the open from you know from the beginning I have this you know requirement and you know I'll, I'll work with it but I need to find what's what's right for me um, it'll become more challenging he's going to college next year I'm sure that um, will present its, you know, its, its own um, unique challenges um, that we're trying to prepare him for. Um, but it, it's a real sort of exercise in learning to speak up for yourself and, and do the things that you need to do to keep yourself healthy, and, and Matthew's really learned how to do that. Well, I know, John, you mentioned that Matthew doesn't get, um, you know, reactions, instant reactions if he's been glutened. Katie, um, does your daughter experience that? Yes, and I actually sounds weird to say I think we're lucky that we do because she knows there's no thought of cheating so um, we recently I think I referenced it earlier were given what was told to be gluten-free bread and she had two small bites and 60 minutes later I think she threw up about 10 times so her body now purges it immediately so 60 to 90 minutes afterwards she throws it all up and then she feels totally fine no lingering, you know, I've heard of some people that have lingering issues afterwards, but for her, I think her body is so clean now that it recognizes it immediately and it goes. Yeah, it's, it's so individual how anybody with celiac disease reacts when they've been glutened. It's just like runs the whole spectrum. It's, um, it's just amazing how it's so individual. Uh, but what, so what have you guys learned from that situation? When, when something went wrong? So it's always hard, and I typically beat myself up for it because I'm still advocating for Nadia primarily, although, um, like John, we're teaching Nadia to advocate for herself, and so when we go out to restaurants, we have her ask the questions. We sort of practice that at a young age because it's hard to advocate, but soon she'll be going on play dates or she's on a field trip, and she needs to be able to do that. Um, I try to make it a learning experience. So in this most recent situation, I shouldn't have trusted who I trusted. 
and I need to always make sure I double confirm with the manager no matter where I am and how trustworthy they seem like they are, it's not worth it. So Katie, after this happened with this mistake with the bread at the restaurant, you know, how did you guys handle that with the restaurant? So every time it's happened, and it's happened a couple of times, but this one obviously was most recent, I call, I let them know because it's an educational process. Um, and they were so apologetic and, you know, shouldn't have happened, shouldn't have happened, of course. But they asked what we could do. And I said, my daughter wants to be sure that this was not for nothing. You know, she was very sick. And so what can we do to, to make sure that this doesn't happen to someone else? And that's usually Nadia's concern. She likes to tell people about celiac and being gluten-free because maybe that helps somebody else. Maybe that helps somebody else with another allergy. And so I think it helps everyone to advocate for each other. And so we'll go back and, um, and they'll show us how they've made some changes. And I think that makes everyone feel a little bit better that we didn't go through something like that for nothing. Have there been times where just the advanced planning didn't work like you thought and your child was in a situation where they're just something, it just wasn't working out, you know, did they feel really bummed or sad or upset? You know, has that happened to you guys? It, it has happened to us. Um, we've had times when we've planned to, you know, we're traveling or, or something and we've planned to go to a particular restaurant or even here in the area. and. You know, it appeared that there would be suitable options for Matthew when we get there. And in fact, you know, um, they tell us that they can't accommodate that, that they're, they can't avoid all cross-contamination. And so we, we leave, we go find somewhere else. Um, and Matthew definitely feels badly about it, which he shouldn't, but, um, but I think he does. And there's um, a sense that, you know, he's imposing on the rest of his family or the friends he's with or whatever. But um, again, that's part of, I think, the learning experience of realizing that this is the most important thing for his health, that this takes precedence. So yes, we've had to deal with it. He's been in situations where he's traveled for school or for baseball, and he's just not been able to find what he needs. And so he's got to f figure out sort of the workarounds, or we have to do it together. Um, there is some frustration with that, but um, that is part of the process. Katie, how about you? Have you had experiences? I know we've talked about where your daughter's gotten gluten, but experiences where she just felt left out. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think, unfortunately, if you have celiac, you're going to feel left out. Um, we have also had to leave restaurants, or we go and plan to go to a restaurant, and there's no other restaurants nearby that will accommodate, so it's not like you can just walk somewhere else. Or um, I think what has been a challenge for us, certainly when traveling, is, is breakfast. Um, so she watches her brother eating like fluffy waffles and she has scrambled eggs, um, which is a bummer, but that unfortunately is, is what has to happen periodically. And we try not to make a big deal out of it. And usually that means she gets something better than him later on in the day and it all works out. So what do you feel is that just really the hardest part as a parent? of a child with celiac disease? What's the hardest for you guys to deal with? Uh, well, um, I would say um, make, making sure that um, Matthew doesn't feel badly about um, imposing on the rest of us. It's not an imposition. It takes some extra work, um, both in the house, outside the house, but we don't ever want him to feel like you know, he has brought this upon us. He, he has not. It's something that 
he has dealt with very, very resiliently um, and, and affirmatively, and we should be proud of that and embrace that and not let him feel like, you know, this is something he has to sort of feel badly about. Um, How about you, Katie? What, do you, what concerns you? Um, I, of course, that concerns me, but in an effort to not say the same exact thing as John, um, I think the pressure of raising a resilient child, I think being diagnosed with this disease makes you resilient. You have to be resilient. But teaching them to advocate for themselves in a way that they feel good about and doesn't make them feel left out and doesn't, you know, so it, it, it's, um, it fits with what John was saying, but giving them the tools to manage it um, and doing that in a way that works for the age and the situation is, is a, is a, uh, it's a lot to shoulder, I think, at times, certainly when, when you're starting off. And we're now getting into the how do you learn to read labels stage, right? You don't always have to buy things that say gluten-free on it. How do we learn to read labels so that she can feel confident doing, you know, these are all different. We'll go through these stages as she continues to grow. But um, I do think that in a lot of ways the diagnosis has made her stronger and more resilient and um, uh, more thoughtful maybe than some other children her age. So I, so I, I would say that there, there have been some positives that I wouldn't have expected. Well, before we leave today, I'd like to ask each of you for a tip that you would give another parent. Um, what would that be? Uh, my tip would be uh, there are great resources out there to help you navigate through this um, sort of thicket um, and this is not a plug for the Children's Hospital celiac program but uh, but it is there are some great resources available to people learning to deal with this situation um, they're all free they're all there take advantage of them and it'll make the process a lot easier for you where would somebody find this information um, on the website, uh, there's an array of resources, and uh, I'm sure um, at the end of this podcast, we can plug the details of that. We will make sure we do that. Thank you. Katie, what's your tip for parents? Um, I uh, Similarly, I downloaded, when I was new at reading labels, I downloaded the gluten-free um, list of uh, ingredients and the non-gluten-free list, and I just saved them as favorites on my phone. And so I would use them constantly when I was at the grocery store. And it was like a very real time, helpful thing. Um, I think the other tip, and I mentioned it earlier, is trying to teach your children to just eat real food. Because if they eat more food that just isn't a sandwich or isn't chicken tenders, it's easier for them to go out into the world and eat lots of places. Um, and I would say maybe the last tip would be um, don't let becoming gluten-free define you or your family or your child. Continue to do all the things you did. Um, and yes, you have to make small accommodations and maybe you can't go to the Mexican restaurant you used to love to go to, but you will find another one that actually has a gluten-free fryer or whatever it is. But find ways to continue that sense of normalcy because I think that's important, certainly when you're dealing with young children both great thoughts for us to end our conversation. I want to thank you, John and Katie, for sharing all this information with our listeners today. Nice to be with you. Yeah, thank you. 
Thank you so much, Katie and John, for sharing all of these stories with our listeners and to my amazing co-host, Ellen. This has been such a great conversation that I know our listeners are going to love. Now, before we sign off for today, I've got our grocery store tip of the week brought to you thanks to the generous support of Giant Martin's Foods. Kids love snacks. Mine sure do, as I'm constantly refilling our snack drawer. Thankfully, there are tons of gluten-free snack options lining grocery store shelves. When I go to the store with my kids, I let them select the snacks they want. They can pick a few items from the inner aisles of the stores, like multi-grain gluten-free crackers, gluten-free pretzels, and even some gluten-free graham crackers. Then we head to the perimeter of the store to pick some fresh snacks like carrot sticks, cucumbers and hummus, or cheese sticks. While at times it can be really stressful to take your kids shopping, try to find little ways to make shopping a family experience. For example, I do my big shopping trips on my own and then use purchasing snacks as a fun afternoon outing or activity with the kids. This way, we're just picking a few items out and I'm not stocking up for everyone at the same time. Well, we're all out of time for today. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and we'll talk to you again next time.